This is a shit intro. Greetings, constant listener, and welcome to the Idiot Box Tales podcast with me, Kat. And me, Tom. So, if you can't tell by the intro, today we're going to be talking about the new release of Stephen King's 2017 remake of It. It. Um, so we went to see this film a couple of days ago. Oh, yes. We have already recorded this once before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we talked for an hour and a half about it. Yeah. And could not get Jeez. the audio to work. No. So we're doing it again. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Hopefully this time it will be able to condense some stuff. Hopefully. We rambled a little bit last time. Of but course. Well, as, yeah, as we usually do. As if we've done this before. I know, yeah. <laughs> As if this is like our second year in. I know, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the film um, is essentially a film about an alien entity that is um, preying on people's fear. It creates fear and kidnaps the people and then essentially eats them. Um, obviously, there's a lot more that goes on in and about the film and we'll get a into lot. that a little bit more. Um, so what should we start with? Uh, the characters. The characters, okay. So we've got the Losers Club. Love them. Which is consists of I think seven seven kids. Yeah. We've got Bill. Yeah. Who is our main protagonist, but we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um Ben, we've got Bev and Richie and Mike and Eddie and Stanley. So, Bill, as I said, is the main protagonist, but I think in this particular uh, film, he, it, he doesn't seem that No, way. he doesn't, no. It's kind of... It's it's an ensemble of them just, of like, the mixed children. together, yeah. Although, the you know, the beginnings of the film is Bill and his little brother, Georgie. Georgie. Um, it's fair to say now, spoilers. Yeah, spoil, fucking spoilers, so spoilers all over the gaff. spoilers all over the place. Um, and his, the film begins with him and his little brother Georgie and he's making Georgie a little boat to go yes, outside yes, <laughs> to go outside and play in the rain um, Georgie's kidnapping or Georgie's disappearance is what, is what sparks yeah it's what sparks the whole um, events for the Losers Club um, now that scene in particular is, is brilliant yeah it's petrifying it's the first shot that we see of Pennywise in the film and I just jump right into it there's no waiting around for it uh, and it's very frame by frame scene by scene from the original TV miniseries starring Tim Curry, Tim Curry as Pennywise this time we've got Bill Skarsgård and he's fucking amazing Bill Skarsgård is an incredible Pennywise oh his, my god his version of the character is for me personally I know sacrilege sorry forgive me yeah. is far superior to Tim yeah, Curry yeah I do love Tim Curry but I feel like it's just it's it's he's more modern and it's I feel it's just it's he's developed the character a bit more into his own and he's made it his own yeah um, I think we're in a day and age where clowns aren't scary yeah Clowns, just as clowns, they're not scary. People are a little bit weirded out by them, yeah. but not in a creepy way anymore. Like you must be, you know, a little bit not right in the head if you want to dress like that. Yeah, you're just a fucking um, weirdo, aren't you? Yeah, clowns are just they—they are essentially a punchline now. Back to the original yeah. state for a little while there, they were scary, but this particular version is is an ac- an actual scary clown he's dressed scary his makeup scary it's it's quite startling it yeah he is, he is um, the way he holds himself and his mm. presence in the scene is just he knows how to handle himself yeah and it's he's not he's not dressed as a clown like tim curry's character was it's a piero and i can't remember i think piero's a french like man a man, artist. Yeah, yeah. and his outfit it's a, it's a piero's outfit um which is very old fashioned and it just adds a little bit more frilly and white and yeah, it's yeah it's like flamboyant more flamboyant than Tim Curry's was where it's bright. This one's just like white and And dirty yeah. and you know, grubby. It's and 
there are some amazing scenes in the film with Pennywise. I think every time you see him, he is intense. Yeah, he's just full go all the time. It's very overwhelming to watch. And I think I've, I've, every time I talk to someone about this film since I've seen it, that's the best descriptive word I can I can come up with is overwhelming. Yeah. Because it wasn't it wasn't scary, traditionally scary, like a classic horror film. It I wasn't just, scary like that. It he was creepy and it was unsettling. It was just like a lot to deal with. It <laughs> like was a lot to cope like, with. It was his voice, the way he moved, his just the way the children were petrified by him and. Yeah. It was just a, it was just a lot to handle. And the scenes incorporated, you know, there was music, there was lighting changes, there was a different dynamic to how it was shot with the camera, and then him himself and his laughter or and his movements all together is so overwhelming as an experience. But because it's framed in a horror film in a scary way, it's overwhelming in an intimidating sense. Yeah. Is what I thought. I think there was one point in the film and I think I just my face just started leaking. <laughs> Cuz I was I felt like this build up of pressure. Yeah. And it, there's a there's a particular scene where they're in the it house where the well is and it is Eddie when he falls through the floor. Yeah. Um, it the clown comes out of the fridge like all mangled comes out of the fridge and starts crawling towards Eddie and it was that scene that made me face leak yeah. because he was laughing he was mocking him by crying yeah. he was clawing at him um, he's doing the wheeze and thing because he's yeah. asthmatic he's like <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, he's mocking Eddie because yeah. Eddie's asthmatic and it was that point where I just thought this is a little bit too much. Yeah, it I, is. Yeah. Right now, yeah, it, there's a lot going on here, and my brain just can't cope with it. And I just started crying, not like balls of te- bawling in tears, but just your a eyes, well, you could a silent weep, <laughs> silent weep, as a little weep to myself. Oh, um, fucking hell! But I suppose that's just a testament to the power of the acting. Yeah. And you know the way that it was, it was made. Um, I think talking about Eddie moving on to him, the kid that plays Eddie is um, Jack Razor. Brilliant actor. Now, Eddie was the standout for me. Yeah, I thought he was amazing. You can tell that this kid is a professional actor. Yeah. Like Even we watched, for his age. We watched just... an interview with Bill Skarsgård just before um, putting this on, and he was talking about how with children actors you either get... A, an 11 12 year old who's just got raw acting talent or you have these professional actors that have been acting their entire life and at the age of 12 they are you know they've gone through so much training and have so much experience already and i get the sense that and um, jack grazer is one of those kids yeah i feel like he, he's had a lot of yeah a lot of time on his hands to just practice the role yeah to be in the character and it is that exact same scene where you get a full sense of his acting capabilities because until you see the scene, if you haven't seen it, then it's going to be very hard for you to grasp what I'm talking about. But if you've seen it or there's any way that you can rewatch the scene, just watch it and pay attention to this kid. Um, as Eddie, he uh, is terrified of um, getting disease and being sick. So his biggest fear is, is a leper. Um, it as an entity uh, presents itself as your biggest fears to get the biggest response. So I don't know. It's more of a tasty meal. Yeah, it's I like, yeah. It's like you just so it's a salt and pepper on it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the petrified like how like my kids with fear. Yeah, <laughs> um, shaken, not stirred. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he presents itself as a leper, which causes Eddie to faint, and he falls through. A break in the floor onto a table at the bottom. Pennywise then comes out of the fridge, crawls towards him, and this chat the fear in this child is just It's just like it's like he's scared and then he's trying to comprehend what's going on, like he's trying to fathom what's yeah. happening, like he's just this there's confusion and this fear <laughs> yeah. and there's just everything going on in his poor little face. And this just... child, you forget for a moment that it's not actually happening. Yeah. You really do because this <laughs> kid just plays it so him. well, yeah. But I felt scared. 
Yeah. Not for him. I felt scared <laughs> for Eddie, obviously. But I was scared for me. In that moment, I was <laughs> like, gonna pop he's out the fridge when you're getting a drink late and you're just like, eat it in the minute. <laughs> he's gonna eat this kid and then turn his head towards the camera and, then just and come out of the out screen like he does in the scene where they're looking at the yeah. uh, pictures yeah. and he jumps out oh that's right I, I didn't think of that yeah oh, subconscious subconscious um yeah so the scene there is a scene where um they are going through photos of uh they've got a map up of um what's it called Derry Derry they've got a map up of Derry and they're looking at where the sewer lines match up and where people disappeared um, and then it's in the trailer the photos just start clicking randomly and then it comes on the screen and it's going through the photos his face is revealed and then he jumps out of the screen and the attacks them uh, but I like the, uh, the transition from where it's uh, Bill's mum's face the wind blowing in her face and mm-hmm. then the hair comes away and it's it, and then he just fucking launches himself out the screen, yeah. and like rummages through the garage at them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Eddie was great. Um, who was who was the if Eddie wasn't your favorite, who was or who ben. was the next? Ben. I like Ben. Oh yeah. Or yeah. Henry. Or Henry. 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 So Henry Bauer is the bully in the film. Um, we see this a lot in Stephen King's work, as you know. This was a Stephen King novel originally. Um, so we see a lot the bully um, and the group of kids we get it very strongly very strong resemblance in Stand By Me or um, as the book's called The Body we've got Ace who's played by Keeper Sutherland and in this film we've got Henry who's played by Nicholas Hamilton both very similar characters Henry's really brutal in this film yeah he is he's just he's a He's just top notch bully, isn't he? He's just like a fucking. But not like your regular <laughs> 1980s like, American. I'm gonna oh. put your head in the toilet and pull your pants up. I'm gonna give you a wedgie. I'm gonna fucking ruin your life and um, carve me name into your stomach, you bastard. And he <laughs> begins to do that with Ben. Um, ben is the new kid on the block. The new kid on the block, yeah. <laughs> He's the new kid. Um, he is just on his own, gets cornered by the bullies at one point is put against the bridge and Henry Bauer begins to carve his name into his stomach. Yeah. Um, ben fortunately escapes. And by kicking him and jumping off a bridge. <laughs> yeah, by jumping off a bridge. Um, runs down the creek and he, for the first time, meets the Losers Club. Yeah. He meets Richie, Stanley, Eddie and Bill. And um, that's where their friendship kind of starts off. Yeah. And they have this bond because um, the f- at first it's it's the bond with, you know, the bullies. Next it's the town. And then it's the, over- the overarching dream that they've all seen Pennywise at some point or another. Yeah. Um, so Ben's a really um, needed character. He's a really film. big part of it. He is because the they would never have known as much as they did without his character. Yeah. Ben being a new kid and being on his own did a lot of research into the town and he was the one who discovered that there is like a rash of murders or, you know, disappearances every, every 27 yeah. years. Um, and that's how they kind of start their investigation into first realising that this is an actual thing, but then what it is and how it's working and why it's doing these things. Um, so yeah, Ben's a great character. There's a a fair bit of comic relief with Ben as well, yeah. which I always appreciate in a film, a horror film, is the comic relief. Yeah. They were a good writer. Gives you a little bit of a, a bit of respite from the terror. It is. It's a, it's a and it's a nice little breather. So for Ben, it is his music taste. <laughs> uh, in the, the in the film, so they brought it up to the eighties, and Ben's favorite music is New Kids on the Block. <laughs> The first time we see him, he's listening to it in his headphones when Bev um, starts talking to him. Then when he brings them all back to the house, um, he runs into his room first and had like <laughs> tapes and... Um, <laughs> new Kids on the Block books and magazines. Like, new Kids on the Block, like Teen Bop magazine <laughs> with them on the cover. Um, and then they, they're looking around and they're looking at like these um, maps and all these mysterious and creepy things going on. And then... <laughs> 
Ben turns around, Bev closes the door and there's a new kid on the block poster on the back of his door. But then she opens the door and like hides it from them, so yeah. she's like looking out for him still. Like, let's not get him bullied more than he has. <laughs> it's it is it's a, <laughs> and it's it adds a nice little break to yeah. the um the proceedings and also a very subtle way to add character dynamic. Yeah. And to build a relationship without actually, you know, using the text or creating conversation or anything like that because you really hardship Ben and Bev. I really do, yeah. <laughs> but if you think about it, they didn't have that much interaction No. between them. They didn't have that many yeah, conversations. The, mm, the biggest interaction from the start when she first talks to Yeah. Them. But those moments, like the, the one in the bedroom with the new kids on the block poster, that builds the relationship. Yeah, it does, yeah. It's like a little nod. It's like, I've got you, bro. Like, like, yeah, it's it was quite, quite a foot. sweet little moment. Yeah. And it's the first, I think it's the first time, you know, within the group, you see someone being like, I've got you covered. I don't worry about it. Yeah. We're in this together. Until they later on when they expressly say, you know, we've got to do this together. Um, Bev's character was great. That was um, Sophia Lillis. She was a really good actress. She was. She was amazing. I really enjoyed Seen, I like seeing her act, yeah. Yeah, she was good. Um, and particularly the scenes with her dad. Oh, yeah. 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 So Bev's character's going through a little bit of an ordeal. Mm. Um, we see Bev at first having a lot of rumours spread about her, about her being, um, I'd say, promiscuous. The slag of Derry. <laughs> the bike yeah. of Derry. Derry's bike. Derry's bike. <laughs> no, it's not nice. She's like 13. <laughs> Don't talk about a child like that. Um, so, yeah, so she, she's got a lot of rumours spread about her. Um, in the scenes with her dad, things like that start to make a little bit more sense. Yeah. So, in the film, they allude a lot to there being a sexual relationship between... Her and her dad. Her and her dad. But not like one that she wants. It's not... Oh, yeah, not of like, course not. She's a child. Yeah. And, at that point, even if she expressed any kind of interest, yeah, it's still it's no, fucking wrong. She's a child; she can't yeah. make that decision. Um, and it's especially with a daughter. I don't know shit. Um, yeah, so she's kind of struggling with that. Um, scenes done very well, I thought. Yeah. With the actress herself being so young, and being able to understand. That what kinds of feelings that would invoke? How old is the actress, actually? Oh, I don't know. Actually, I'll look it up. Because she seems a quite. She looks quite a bit older than the rest of them, but mm. I don't know whether that's just her. Sophia Lillis. Let's see how old she is. She's probably about thirty-two, isn't she? Yeah, probably. In two thousand two. So fourteen. 15? 15. 15, maybe 16, yeah. So she is still quite young, so when they started filming, she must have been around 14. Yeah, so she's the age of the character, really, Mm -hmm. isn't she? Um, Yeah, it was was very well done, and they did it very gracefully, having to tell that part of the story and not, you know, showing anything. There was never a scene where you see him... um, you know, they don't do that cliche thing of he goes into the room and closes the door behind them and then the screen cuts to black or equally he emerges, emerges from a room yeah. and you see Bev upset. Um, they do it in a very subtle way where he's just throughout the film in the scenes asking, are, oh, are you still my girl? Oh, yeah. Which tells you all you need to know, really, because it is a creepy, horrible way of saying... It is. A, is it still just me that you're sleeping with? Yeah. Dearest daughter of mine. Oh, fucking... And then, but she, like... She calls him daddy, but... And I, I feel... Like, I know... Like, <laughs> this day and age, daddy, daddy... Humbler. I, I feel like it's just being ruined. Like, kids can't call a parent daddy no more without it being fucking, like, disgusting. Like, I can't get out of my mind. Like, what are you going to do to me, daddy? But it's just... it's. It's horrible. It is. I don't know yeah. whether they've added that in because it's a, like no. she's too old to be like calling her dad daddy, but I don't know whether that's American thing. Um, so. I'm sorry. Think about Clueless. Yeah, but she's rich. Is yeah, she I don't posh? know, but she calls 
Hey, Dad, Daddy. I suppose, yeah. And you've, in all the times that we've watched that film, you've never once been like, oh, that's a bit. Yeah, but she does it's get off with her brother and brother, stepbrother, whatever the fuck it is. It's still shit digress. going on. Digress. <laughs> um, it's weird for her to say that because of the context of what it means now. Yeah. But also the context of the scenes. Yeah. If it, if it was a loving relationship between them, like a like platonic just, loving like relationship. Just like a proper father and daughter relationship. A paternal thing. And she's calling him daddy. Then like, yeah, it's, yeah but, it's, the con- it's the context of the scene. But when he's asking her, are you, still da- are you still my little girl? Are you still my girl? And she's going, yes, daddy. It's just... <laughs> I think that might just be you. <laughs> <laughs> might just be me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> daddy Okay, so apart from Eddie, next on the roster for me is Richie. Yeah, yeah. Richie's, Richie? Richie's played by, um, I think it's Finn Wolfhard. Is from... he the kid that's just like petrified of everything and doesn't want to do nothing? Like, he doesn't want to go into the house? No, no, that's Stanley, who's a complete non-character in the film, yeah. I feel. Like, he's not. He's there to fill the gap. He is, yeah. They needed another scene. <laughs> they just needed another person. They needed the someone to be scared of that picture of that woman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I thought was a bit of a shit scene as well. Um, but no, Richie's the the lad who was in uh, Stranger Things. Oh yeah! Oh, he's a brilliant actor. Then. Yeah, he was really good. Um, and it was interesting because, uh, in Stranger Things, he plays he's a like dramatically quiet, yeah. different character. He's like quiet. And what, he's like, oh, what Richie is. I don't know why we do this. And then Richie's just like, oh, fuck, he's all, mm. fuck him up. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah, <laughs> literally fuck that, yeah. him up. <laughs> it's just he's a, yeah, he's, a, he's a brilliant actor to be able to contrast between the two yeah in such a short time from him doing Stranger Things to going into this because I feel like this is his next big thing from Stranger Things yeah and he will is. continue to do more because he is an he's outstanding actor but all these kids are gone out because yeah. the the film is driven by these children yeah this collection of actors that they found is just phenomenal um they are all great Stanley, even though he was a bit of a non-character, he was still a good actor. He was still a good actor, yeah. Um, one person that I wasn't too sure about was Bill. Bill, yeah. And it's um, Jaden Lieber here that plays Bill. Yeah, I'm not too... Jjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjjj
or are they going to be out here on their own in the pen waiting to be killed and that's that's what that whole metaphor it carries through the broader message it resonates it does yeah and it really resonates with Mike because as we see him later on in the film he kind of fights back yeah he remembers it and it's what spares him on to keep going to keep going and they all need to be together they've you know they've resolved that when they were in the it house there was only um it was all of them in there and that was the only time that they actually did any damage to pennywise yeah it stabbed him through the head with uh, yeah one and of the fence spikes yeah and he retreated and they, they did that together so you know mike in was quite a hero in that moment he I was thought. yeah because he, he did something really awful, which was push Henry down the well, essentially killing him, so that they could carry on with this quest for the greater good. Rain again. The greater good. But Henry was sort of fucked up, so it's justified. To be fair, he was just, Henry, he just at that killed point, his dad. Yeah, uh, it, it got into his head and just fucking about. Yeah. So Henry, um, at one point towards the uh, third act becomes possessed by Pennywise kind of he's in like a hypnotic trance kill them all kill them all he kills his his dad um, and then Pennywise through the television tells him to kill them all yeah essentially Um, so at that point yeah it doesn't feel like child on child crime no it just feels like you know child child. on villain yeah villain Yeah. yeah the and he's very well set up as a villain, I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for me, the best character was Eddie. Pennywise is an obvious one to say because it is the yeah. main antagonist. It is the villain. It's He's a very standout, you know, in-your-face, cannot-look-past-him character. Yeah, he's just, he's just always there. He just doesn't leave and he's... Like hunting them, but that like... was the most scary. The scariest scene was with him and Eddie. Yeah. And for me, in that scene, the thing that got my attention was Eddie, a kid who's crying and bawling, and with this clown on top of him. <laughs> like and you, you should be watching his face. You should be watching the clown, but yeah. I wasn't. I was watching the but kid because like, he was incredible. He was really good. Pennywise is like pretending to bite him as well. Like he's going to bite him and goes, "Ooh!" And like, yeah. It's just mm. it's. It's a crazy scene, and um, speaking about the other scenes, it's like with Bev when she's in the bathroom. Oh yeah. Um, so as I explained before, we go through each kid, and we see their fear. We see what Pennywise is, um, well, what the entity is presenting himself as. So we see we've talked about Eddie with the the leper and his fear of being ill, and I'm. I'm pretty sure it's safe to assume Bev's fear is blood yeah um, they kind of allude to that with their fear of buying tampons yeah yeah I was thinking that yeah yeah um, and this is after Ben is being hit by um, Henry Bauer and his friends they go to the um, pharmacy the pharmacy and they get him like bandages and stuff and they're in the aisle patching them up um, but when they're trying to get the stuff, Bev is kind of standing there debating on whether to pick up the tampon box or not. And then she obviously walks past. But I, at first, I just put that down to teenage embarrass- yeah. embarrassment. But the scene that Bev um, is first presented with Pennywise, or with the entity at least, is she's in a bathroom. And this is a very... Um, 1980s horror movie scene. It is, yeah, yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's done well. It's done it well. is done really well, yeah. It's still, you don't think, oh, this is a bit. This is a bit cheesy. This is a bit um, early West Craven. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's in the bathroom and they, uh, she can hear voices down the drain and it's like voices calling her. Yeah. So she gets her dad's um, tape measure. She puts it down to see how far it goes down. And it goes down pretty fucking far. It I can't remember it. how far it was, but it was, it was like 50 feet, I yeah, think. No, 50 feet from a... 50 feet. 50 feet from a tape measure? Yeah. No, it's a special one. It's a special one. It's Industrial an industrial tape, industrial tape measure. His dad, dad needs it for a huge cock that he's been measuring. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Bev's dad's cock is so big. <laughs> he needs a fucking 50 foot long tape measure. <laughs> oh. Oh, of course, you would know. Oh. <laughs> The toad. The toad. There's a time and place, and it's on this podcast. <laughs> so, getting back to it. Anyway, so she um, pulls the tape measure up, and there's blood and hair on the end of the tape measure. Yeah. And then the hair comes alive and like wraps Fucking... around her face and starts dragging her into the the sink. Yeah. She pulls back and pulls back, and then she just gets hit. With so like much blood, tsunami of gallons yeah. and gallons of blood to the face. The entire bathroom gets drenched. Just gallons of corn syrup and red food dye just hitting her in the face. And now, one thing that I love about this film is that there's a lot of respect paid to past films, past there is, horror films. There is indeed. And in this particular scene, it reminded. I said this um, last week. This reminded me of two different scenes from two different films. So the first one that it reminded me of was a little homage to another Stephen King classic, um, The Shining. Yeah. With the elevator and, and the doors open and, and the blood water, rushes the out. Blood, sorry, yeah. The blood rushes out. And the second one that it reminded me of was um, the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Um, which I know you've seen now. With Johnny Depp and he's sitting on the bed with the telly and I think he's just like watching MTV or something. <laughs> MTV Cribs. <laughs> <laughs> and the bed, he just starts falling into the bed, telly and all, everything goes in, and then blood just pours out from the hole that he was in, completely soaks the room. Yeah. And it was that that I felt like it was a l- paying a little bit of an homage to. And there was a, another nod to Nightmare on Elm Street where on the cinema it said Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Yeah. And was, that, that was another little and nod the, to yeah, it. Yeah, and then. I can't remember who it was that goes into the cinema, but then there's a, the poster on the wall as well, which, yeah. is, which is great because, you know, it's set in the eighties. This film came out. This film came out in the eighties, um, and it's stylized as an eighties horror film. Yeah, it brings you back a bit. So not just that it is a film set in the eighties, but it's also filmed the way films were made in the eighties. It's got a lot of classic things yeah, like that the, you see in 80s films like the uh, like far away shots of kids riding bikes and yeah. the travel like the air shots of the roads and I just thought it, like, the really and the good, music as well yeah. the way that the score is set up uh, the way that the story develops as well because we don't really see it that much with, with this uh, with horror films nowadays this film felt very character driven it did there was less of the villain less of the sinister and more just about caring about these characters yeah and i think that's something that's been forgotten recently and it's something that's so impactful you know you see horror films nowadays and it's all just about the jump scares yeah and it's all about you know getting that creep factor up but when you genuinely care about the character and you're invested in that character anything could happen to them and it's so impactful yeah like they develop Eddie's character really well and in the scene he breaks his arm and you feel so much for that kid. You're just like, oh fuck, he's broke his arm. Like, Especially oh, for you as a really bad arm break yeah, left it with just two huge scars on your arm. me <laughs> when he breaks it back into place. But you don't want anything to happen to these characters no. so ev- everything that happens to them is scary. Yeah. And I really like that, that they did focus, they've, they've made well-rounded characters in this. Um, and it does make all the scary scenes and all the sad and dramatic and heartbreaking things that happen to them all that more effective because you relate and you empathise really strongly with them Um, so yeah that scene with Bev was great in the bathroom one thing that I really loved as well and I did mention this last week was the aftermath of that scene Yeah. so in the scene the blood doesn't stop until every centimetre of that room is covered is covered it. in blood like dripping it's yeah it, there's a thick layer yeah. of blood on every surface ceiling walls floors bath shower curtain window and bev is head to toe dripping in blood and then the other dad come in to the bathroom because she's screaming she's obviously upset and that actor he plays her dad was really good at pretending there was no blood there yeah he was yeah he'd seen it before 
Yeah. <laughs> You're saying shit like that before. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so they set it up that so that he couldn't see the blood. Only Bev could see the blood and she could feel the blood. Yeah. And he walks up to her and he comments on her hair because she cut it all off. Yeah, and he says, you look, why do you do that? You look you, like a boy now. You look like a boy now. Not commenting on the blood. And she says to him, doesn't she? Don't you see it? Don't you see it? Yeah. And it, just no reaction He's just probably. like, just fucking confused. But he like, he pushes her hair off her face mm. and like the blood moves with it and he doesn't have none on his hand. And it's just like, yeah, this must just be like a, um, a, pro- a projection that the being is put on, on the children. Yeah. Because later on, all the other children see it as well, and they help her clean it up. Yeah, that's. And that's, Bill that's, says we can't leave the place like this. That's the thing that really threw me was that her dad couldn't see it. So yeah, I thought it was just a manifestation in Bev's mind. But then they could. It was actually yeah, there. Yeah, it was actually there. So it must have been him that was being affected by Pennywise at that moment. Just so so he's not like, what the fuck's went on here? Yeah. So Pennywise is like changing his brain and fucking with that. It's changed his perception instead of Bev's. Yeah. I wonder if he would have seen it later if they did leave it. Mm. But then Bev probably would have got into shit and he would have been like, what the fuck have you done to the yeah. bathroom? Get in here, girl, and clean the shit up. Yeah. <laughs> So that scene was really well put together. It was. And again, it does... Um, it's a nice little homage to films of the 80s. And I really appreciate the attention to detail with things like that, that yeah. the director, Andy Muschietti, put into it. Muschietti. <laughs> he's, a, he's a good director. He is. He's um, good. Mama was really good. He wrote and directed. I'm assuming he's any good. Yeah, it's it is a good film. It's about um these kids and they're just kind. Of, it's, it's supernatural. Yeah. But these kids are found and they're like feral children. Essentially, they're just found in like a little house oh. in the middle of the woods, and they try and kind of bring the children back into um, civilization. Civilization, yeah. But it's well written and well directed. It was a good film, and um, one of the things that I found out about Andy Muschietti is that he is now going to be doing the um, graphic novel adaptation to Lock and Key. Oh, right, yeah. Now, this is interesting to me because I read all the Lock and Key graphic novels. You did, yeah. Really, really enjoyed them. And interestingly, they are written by Joe Hill. Oh, Joe Hill Stephen is King's Stephen son. King's son. Yeah. Great writer, like his dad. Right, obviously he's not right like he doesn't write like his dad. Yeah. But he's definitely got the skills there. It's in the blood. It's, yeah. He's a great writer. The story of Lock and Key is brilliant. Absolutely magical and enchanting. Um, as graphic novels go, it is. You know, it's lighter than some of the graphic novels that I've read like I've read you know Preacher which is quite heavy hitting and um, Crossed which is I think the lad in work let me crossed and he just described it as upsetting (laughs) and it is upsetting Um, so it's quite light as far as graphic novels go Um, but yeah very fun story I'm excited after seeing it and what he can do with the King family's stories yeah. and tales. I'm excited to see Lock and Key. It's going to be you... interesting and to see how he does it, like, convert it into film. Yeah, if you haven't seen Lock and... If you haven't read, rather, Lock and Key, it's a story about a family. They have a really um, traumatic thing happen and they all have to move to an old family hole. Old family hole. Oh, get old... in this hole, boy. <laughs> get in the family <laughs> hole. The family hole where we all go. <laughs> So they moved to the old family home, the which hole. is the uh, the Lock Mansion. Their last name's Lock. Yeah. Um, the mansion is magical in the way every door has a key. You open a, a door with a certain key, walk through it, different things happen. Like you turn into a ghost, or you um, turn into a, a creature, an animal. Broken things get fixed. It's really in, an interesting story. Very, very well written. Um one thing about the lock and key stories when i was reading them the first thing i thought was this would make a really good series yeah it's all laid out for you in lock and key 
you don't need to write a script because it's all there you don't need to you know recreate the shots because it's all there it's very it's a very well condensed story that you just need to frame the shots the way they're drawn you just need to have the characters say the things they say in the graphic novels and you've got a winner it is going to be interesting to see how he does the the magical part of it. Yeah. The different things. Like the ghosts. Like the, the ghosts and the human-animal hybrids. Um, and the characters are great in that as well. As with Stephen King, all his characters are brilliant. Well-rounded. And... They are well-rounded because he, he, we watched an interview recently where he said it's all about the characters. Characters are the most important thing. And his son, Joe Hill, has really took that on board and, again, created fascinating, well-rounded, independent characters. You know, you see in stories quite a lot of the time where it's very children-focused. So, say, like Lock and Key, it is focused on on the Lock children. Yeah, on the children. But their mum, she isn't just a side character. He structures her character and rounds it off really well and makes her an independent person but it's not necessarily that she plays a big part it's just that she's not just a throwaway Mm. she's not just there when the kids wake up to give them their lunch bags and then they go (laughs) off on an adventure she has her own life she has her own struggles and I think that's one of the great things about that um, that series of novel graphic novels is no character is a side character and I think linking it into it, no character is a side character. They've all got a very important part to play. Apart from which one's the one that he's Stanley. on? Stanley. Yeah. See, I always forget his name because he just he just <laughs> doesn't stick in my head. Stanley's the the one that's like, nah, this is stupid. Yeah. No. He's like, no, this is stupid. I'm not doing this. I'm not going into that house. It's fucking suicide. Although he doesn't say that. That's yeah. more of a Richie line. Yeah, it's more of a yeah. Why the fuck we do? He virtually says that though, doesn't he, Richie? Yeah. Like when they're all having an argument and him and Bill fall out. And yeah, they have a scrap. Yeah, and he said says something about um, something about Georgie, and he says we don't want to end up like Georgie. Yeah. And then the Bill's face just turns, and he just looks like you cunt. It's because at this point in the film, he's still believing that Georgie's alive. Yeah. He's never really come to terms with the fact that Georgie's dead at this point. Yeah, which he wouldn't. Even his dad did that. Yeah, his dad. At was the just beginning like, of the film, he's <laughs> Bill's created. A sewer system yeah. made out of the hamster's little pipe maze, and his dad just breaks down and says, "Georgie's dead. He's not yeah. coming back. Clear yeah. this away before, before your mother sees." Yeah. Um, and it's a really impactful point in the film where they get into the sewers. They're going to face it, and it manifests as Georgie with a missing arm. With a missing arm, and it. It is one of those moments where even as an audience you think, hold on, is that actually Georgie? Yeah, because we think that because Bill doesn't know that Georgie lost his arm. Yeah. So we think that, oh my God, that is actually Georgie and he's keeping him alive because it. what's the point in it manifesting with no arm Yeah. when Bill doesn't know? Exactly, yeah. But then Bill must just realise that, shit, Georgie's dead, I'm not, fall- I'm not putting myself in danger and the rest of the losers club. And it's, yeah, and it's massive for Bill in that it's moment it's like a break, to, big breakthrough yeah to say no Georgie's gone you're not Georgie yeah he's gone and you do have that moment of tension where um, Bill's got the the animal bolt shooter yeah that Mike brought with him from the sheep pen Um, and he just says Georgie's gone and then he puts the thing on his head um, it's not loaded, Bill doesn't know that it's not loaded, but you do have that moment of tension it's like, that if, could actually be Georgie yeah. if, what if that's Georgie? But it was loaded, the first one was loaded, wasn't it? It wasn't, um, oh, yeah, the, he um, fired Henry it Henry fired it uh, no, he loaded it one last time, didn't he? and then the things fell down the well, so it was the first time he shot it into his head, and then he tried to do it again and then the thing he said, it's not loaded like yeah. he tries to use it again so he the was, first time yeah. he puts it in him and he falls on the floor that's oh, when he yeah, starts yeah. shaking that's when he starts shaking yeah. and then so, so yeah it is it is loads at the point yeah. that he, he shoots Georgie um, but yeah that's quite an intense moment it, and it was a massive moment for that character I feel figure. like he realised that he was still talking to him he was talking to him like it was Georgie like he hugged him yeah and then 
he said, I lost the I lost them, I lost the boat and he goes, She Georgie, boat yeah. to females. Yeah. And then I think that's when he realised that he's like fuck. But although, yeah, he knew that it wasn't Georgie, he spoke to him like Georgie because it was the only it's his final chance to say goodbye to his brother. Yeah. He knows it's not his brother, but he it's his only chance to talk to him again. Yeah. And so he takes that opportunity and it's really sad. It is really sad. It is a really sad moment. And then, you know, the kind of um, he shoots him obviously it's not Georgie it is it it's Pennywise he falls grows back and jumps uh, up and that is, I love that scene his inches. eyes like his eyes go white and then yeah. his leg grows and mm. his arm grows and then he just he jumps up yeah it was really it was a nice moment because it was quite campy yeah very you know 80s horror film reminded me a little bit of um, the campness in uh, what's it called? The Evil Dead. Ah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. The Evil Dead Two was a really good horror film in the way that it was tense and scary, but it had it, it, was, it was campy like, and it was funny. Comedic, yeah. Yeah. Um, the scene where he cuts off his own hand <laughs> and it in The Evil Dead and it turns him. into thing from the Adams <laughs> yeah, family. Yeah, like falls around. Yeah, and it's is that the um, is that the same Evil Dead as he? Like he gets little clones of himself, or is that the different? No, this even, is a different one. What Evil Dead's that? Is I that think that's the third when one. he goes into the past. Yes. Yeah, I love that film. Yeah, first I thought it's you were talking about um, yoga hoses then. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin and the little Frank and Peter people. <laughs> Wunderbar! Wunderbar! <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to it. Um, yeah, so. Um, Director's done a really good job there with director setting up Andy. those scenes. Dire- <laughs> Andy, Andy, the director, director. Um, and particularly the way the sewer was constructed as well. Yeah, we saw behind the scenes of that, didn't we? And the sewer was all of it was just constructed out of wood. Yeah, it was just in a big like was... air hanger, and it was they made all the sewers converging into the one it nest. Yeah, I should say. Because there's like a nest, he's got all the, the kids nest, floating. Yeah. Um, his next 27 years it's worth of meals. Yeah, it's like a fucking microwave pinged mm. in us, <laughs> ready to go. And the scene that I love this is going back is where, um, what's the kid's name, the butcher's son? Mike. Mike is getting attacked by the bullies. Mm. And he sees it, and it's just like playfully, just like chomping on the hand. Oh yeah, yeah, he's and running he, from yeah. the bullies, isn't he? And the butcher's door opens, and he's in like the freezer. Oh no, this is the different one. This is where he's in the in the forest, oh, and he yeah, waves the yeah. hand. He's like he's gnawing that on the thing. That was such a good. It was a good little. That like, was that was again very resident resident evil. Yeah, it was not very resident like, evil. Evil dead yeah, like. It was very, um, um, yeah, <laughs> he's getting attacked, and he's on the floor. He's getting punched by the bullies by a creek. And he turns his head and across from the creek is it in the bushes with like a child's arm. And he waves the child's arm at him. George's arm. What? I've just it's about George's to say arm, that it's George's it? arm, yeah. It's George's arm. Because in the, in the first scene, um, when he takes George, he bites his arm off. And then Georgie's flailing around. It's a bit like him. It looks a bit like a Jaws. Yeah, he's like he's trying to crawl away, but then its arms like extends out and and grabs grabs and pulls him back in. Um, But in that scene with Mike, he just got a child's arm in his hand and he's chewing on it, and then he waves the arm as if it's his own hand. Yeah, like and he smiles and it's just the weird. And it's one of those creepy, freaky things where it kind of makes you want to laugh. But it's like no, that's that's sickening. But it's like the arm looks so real Mm. and it's just so like lifelike and it's the way it flails around. And, just and again, like, you know, props to the special effects in this film—a uh, mix of CGI and uh, yeah, it um, was a good mix. practical, practical props and um, special effects. Uh, it was really well done. I mean, there was a, l- a few CGI moments that I didn't quite yeah. like. There's the bit where he's in the fridge and his body like untangles. and his body contorts out. It's so um, obviously. It's a bit like the Grudge. Yeah, it's a bit grudgy, which. It doesn't last that long, so it doesn't completely pull you out of the film. No. But it was still a little bit shaky as far it as was, CGI yeah. goes. They could have done without him like untwisting himself because they're just being crouching with it and then the door slowly opens and he I jumps out. I kind of wish they would have got an actual say, contortionist as like, to, a stunt yeah, double to, like, to do that to unbend the body scene. out, yeah. And then cut... 
they could have done it as you know a contortionist dressed as it as like a, yeah. a stunt person come out of it cut to Eddie terrified blubbering crying screaming whatever cut back and it's Bill Skarsgård yeah there, but I think the main impact on that is that fridge. you see him come out of the fridge and it, it just follows him walking over to him. Like, mm. it doesn't cut. It just follows him yeah. until you can see the both of them. Yeah. So I think that's a really impactful part, but the fridge was bit was good, a bit shaky. It was good for building tension, yeah. Um, But it would have been really good if you just couldn't see that it was CGI. Yeah. So I think even... It would have... I would have preferred it with a cut to Eddie to be able to get get Bill Skarsgård in the position. Out of the fucking fridge, yeah. Um, but I really wish they would have... I'm not sure if they would have they've tried it with a contortionist. I feel like that's something they would have done yeah, first. Yeah, they would have been like, let's see if we can do it, and then if it doesn't work. But if yeah. you're like a contortionist coming out of a fridge like that, they might have fucked up quite a bit. Like, yeah, let's not try this no more. <laughs> let's just, just make it. Let's just make it a hundred times. Yeah, yeah let's not pay the contortionist. <laughs> but we know, we know that they have big ambitions with CGI in the they film did. because um, Andy Muschietti was willing to spend a fair bit of the budget just to make one of its eyes turn out slightly turn out so that when he's looking straight at you he's not like his so he's like chameleon through, eyes yeah. like one eye is just slightly off and they're both facing the opposite directions um, in the audition process he I think he'd expressed that he wanted to do that yeah. to Bill Skarsgård in the audition and Bill Skarsgård just said what like this and just did it with his eyes like yeah. he could just do it like it's just a party trick and in an interview Andy Muschietti had said you know he saved me like quarter of a mil in um, budget there just by being able to do it because he knew he wanted to do that with yeah. him he wanted that the eye thing in the interview we watched before Bill Skarsgård um, and the weird like mouth smile lip thing mm. he just copied his brother and he said that he had a character he used to do when he was smaller well, just, yeah, yeah, when he was younger, he used to pull his t-shirt over his head and <laughs> run around do after the, the it smile. So where his lip comes out, you'll, you'll see it in the posters and in the trailer. It's like a little, like a little raindrop. At the like. bottom, his bottom lip puffs out. And it does look like it's his makeup, like it's yeah. his clown makeup. But no, that's Bill Skarsgård's actual face. <laughs> a, a really good point to make about Bill Skarsgård in general is he's a weird looking fella. He is a weird looking fella, he is. Like and that's not to say that in a bad way. No, he's no. got a really unique look. Yeah, um, it works well with the chameleon eyes, very chiselled, gaunt face. Yeah, um, it works well within the character, but I can see him getting a lot of future roles because of his unique look. Yeah, but it's it's not like he's not always got to be remembered as the guy who played it. He can do many things other than that. Cause of the makeup. That's the great thing about it is because it's such a. Um, massively different character it's you're never going to see another film that he's going to be in and it's like oh that's kind of like the way he was in it yeah because it's just out there it's, he's a clown in this he's like and fucking demonic yeah and that's like that kid Richie who was in Stranger Things yeah now there, it's incredible that that kid can be in two different things both set in the 80s both um, you know sci-fi horror based to be able to separate himself character-wise and to not seem like yeah. the same character although it's essentially a very similar thing stranger yeah. things and it the fact that you don't see him as the kid in stranger things at the start great. a bit of did i was just like oh it's the kid off stranger things but as it progressed as soon I was as just, he starts talking he's just like fuck like, fuck, no, that's fuck, not the fuck, kid fuck from yeah, stranger it's just things. not it's just like it's totally <laughs> different here that's not he him. is left hunting the dragons yeah. in the cupboard <laughs> And he's fucking smashing windows. He went to go and get Dungeons and Dragons one day. Went in the cupboard. <laughs> there was a magazine on top of the cupboard. On yeah. top of the Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. He right. just picked up that magazine. It was full of boobs. Yeah, and he was, he was like, like, this is me new life now. And then found a bottle of whiskey. Eleven's and 20 gone. Lambert and Butler's. Yeah, Don't 11. know where the fuck Ellie's gone. Yeah. She's, she's... Being sucked up into some wall. Eating echoes yeah, in eat, the forest. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Don't know where she is. I'll just look at these boobs. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's it. What if there's Penny a... meets the losers club? Like yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> is the sequel what to if, Stranger What if eleven things. is it? Oh and no. she's just like <gasps> What if she it was using the kids? It's ten. <gasps> What's a ten? Well, it's in Stranger Things, she's eleven for a reason, it's a number. So what's zero to ten? 
and is there any in after that oh yeah that's the thing that's the main takeaway for me from it's like what's the what, who are the other ones that's the main takeaway for yeah. me from Stranger Things is she's the 11th she's 11 there's 0 to 10 there to cover yeah we don't, I don't know where the next season of Strange. That's a. This is a it's tangent. Out to him, isn't but it? I don't know where the next season of Stranger Things is gonna go. But yeah. I'm hoping it Have goes. Have you seen the, uh, the trailer for it? To a different number. No, I haven't. The trailer it. looks alright. Like I'm looking forward to the new season. The first we'll season was really later. good. But yeah, so um, Bill Skarsgård. I don't think he's not gonna be held back or typecast in any way by this. No. Which I think is it's well deserved because he's clearly a phenomenal. Yeah, actor. he deserves to go on and do greater things. Yeah, and I, I haven't seen him in anything before. Me neither. Um, I don't think has he been a much. I don't think so. I think he was in Hemlock Grove. I never seen oh, him in that. Me neither. Um, but I'd be interested to see how he is when he's not a character yeah. actor. So like Johnny Depp is a is an actor that I'm not the biggest fan of when he's not playing an, an a dramatic character when he's not playing an over the top, um, over exaggerated so, like, person. You don't like him as Captain Jack Sparrow. No, because Captain Jack Sparrow is. He's an over-exaggerated yeah, character. Yeah. It's a character. The same the way when he plays uh, Willy Wonka. So like it's when an over-dramatic character. So like when he's in What's, in, what's Eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah, What's so Eating Gilbert Grape. Or when he's like... in, you know... Nightmare on Elm Street is a brilliant film. It was his first film. On the beginning credits of Nightmare on Elm Street, it says, Introducing Johnny Depp. That's his first feature film. And he wasn't... <laughs> he wasn't really, really good in it. No. Not that he didn't, st- he didn't stand out at all. Maybe his looks made him stand out, yeah. but his acting was, you know, had something to be desired. Um, obviously it's his first film, so you can't judge the fella on that. But, but he did go on to do amazing things, and he's an of amazing course, actor, and he's f- he's a, he's an incredible actor. That's because he's found his he's found his place. Yeah, as playing. Yeah, in Sweeney Todd, yeah. he's it's an it's a dramatic character. It's and Edward Scissorhands, even though he doesn't speak, it's just <laughs> it's sh- maybe that worked well in his favour. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't. I, I'm going to be interested to see Bill Skarsgård in more. Yeah. that's what I'm looking forward to personally, um, just because I'm so enamoured by him in this film. Yeah, he was amazing. He was incredible. I don't think that what one of the first things I said an hour ago was that he was better than Tim Curry. Yeah, he. Yeah. And no offense, because Tim Curry is an amazing. Tim actor. Curry is He's an amazing man, and he is sweetest transsexual from Transylvania. Yeah, he is, and he is a he is an amazing. A legend, man. um, but I I just think Bill Skarsgård did it better. Yeah, I think he did, um, and it was a really good remake. It was, and you even can't. Stephen King said it was amazing. Stephen King did say it was incredible, and Stephen King is not, you know, opposed to saying bad things about adaptations mm. of his of his work. <laughs> yeah, like with, with um The Shining, he really didn't like yeah, The Shining. He didn't at all, and he's not shy about saying that. Like he'll say that he hates yeah, it. Yeah, he wrote the book. He didn't write. The, he didn't direct the movie. So. Yeah, he's like my book's amazing, but your film was shit, mate. <laughs> yeah, I think he's he just had different hopes for the characters. I think yeah. he wanted them to be portrayed differently, and that's fine. That's his opinion. I think the film is great, and it I is think an amazing the, film. And I think the book is great. I think there's yeah, a, a writer should be able to say that's not how I wanted it to be shown, but a director and another creative making an adaptation of that. It has the right to say, well, this is how I interpreted yeah. it. And I think it's Stanley Kubrick's interpretation of The Shining. I think that's the important uh, yeah. thing. That's his interpretation. Yeah. It's not necessarily the, what the story is, not what it was supposed to be or the way Stephen King wanted it presented. But it's Stanley Kubrick's ideas are valid. And he, it made for a great film. It's still a really good book. Um, but yeah, so... Stephen King really liked it. He didn't like The Shining, and he had very similar thought about it the way he did about Stand by Me. Yeah. He really enjoyed Stand by Me, and I think he just really likes his stories with the groups of kids. Yeah. He likes the the characters. He, you know, we said earlier he finds the characters really important. 
and the characters are really focused on in it and the same in Stand By Me. Really good character development. I think why um uses children mainly is because you can see child how children like child characters grow, like how they change from yeah. start to finish, but when you get adult like characters, they don't really change from start to finish. They're just the same person. Yeah, way, kids, but kids are open minded. Yeah, they can be built on. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, the stories are Stand by Me, and it's the the children, especially the very similar. You can see the, the characters reflected. Them, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they have their own little groups and their own little lives going on and I think it's one of the things that we don't focus more on in film in general is children have their own lives they have their own feelings and things going on um they're not just add-ins for the these types of films and Stephen King's stories they are the main protagonists yeah they are the they're not there doing silly things they're doing they're involved in important events and they're doing important things and stand by me it was the kids going to find the body um, in this film it's you know the kids are essentially trying to save the town yeah. trying to save all the children for the next 27 years mm. until the next time um, so leading from that how do you feel about the end of the film yeah, so the film up. starts and we never got you know it, it wasn't identified in the trailers it wasn't um you know talked about before the film they never revealed it although people who have read the book will obviously know that the um film only focuses on chapter one of the book at the end of the film when the credits roll it comes up it on screen and then over um fades over says chapter one are you looking forward to seeing what's to come uh yeah because they, they sort of made the pact at the end like if he comes back we're going to do whatever it takes to put him back in his place for the next 27 years yeah. or how long it takes him to come back but he might wake up earlier yeah. because he is hungry and he died he like well they sent him back without eating mm. and they took all of his resources so I don't know how long his when they send him back how long it takes him to come back because they feel like he doesn't like ever disappear. He just has enough food for twenty seven yeah. years. So it's not like he eats and then just like come like fucking sits in a hole and just waits. Yeah. So at the end of the film, they essentially beat it into submission. It you know retreats back against uh, like a hole, like another pipe, and goes over and falls, but doesn't fall, crumbles yeah, away. Yeah, like it like turns into like a like a. Like it's like pottery, like pottery yeah, cracking. Yeah. So he he cracks and crumbles away instead and then, of falling down. Ominously this, says fear. Yeah. As he, which I think is an amazing fear. last word, and it just sets so much like tension and like. Yeah, it did. It just puts a good place into the film, like just fear. Yeah. So they they kind of assume that he's dead, but they do say at the end, you know, if he comes, if he comes back, so will we. Yeah. They all do like a blood pact. Um. So yeah, I'm kind. Of, I'm excited to see what's next. But when was the film set? Like, what was the? I think the book was, was set in the fifties. Eighty nine. They brought it up to eighty nine. So twenty seven years into the future is, is like modern this year. Day, this year. So they could set it in modern days. And That'd like, be quite good. It was like different, like the music and like people have phones. Yeah. Like, digital like so in that stephen king interview that we watched he talked about how they brought it up from the fi- when he wrote it he wrote it for what kids would be scared of in the 50s and then they modernized it and brought it up to the 80s so it's going to be interesting to see how they play on fear if they bring it up to 2017 yeah um if he'll have different forms what scares or- kids nowadays Fucking no Wi-Fi. No hotspot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not too sure. What, where's my charger? Yeah, where's my charger? Oh, it's broke. Uh, I don't, I don't know. School teachers. Um, I don't really want. Don't really want. I think scares the youth. I think fear doesn't change. I think everyone has a weird fear of clowns. Yeah. That's why so many people have flocked to go and see this film now because clowns are creepy as shit. Um. Thinks they are unsettling. We were talking before how they're not really scary mm. anymore. They were, and now it's it that's passed. Particularly last year with the clowns walking around. You know, like 
different towns. We had them here in England. You did, yeah. Waiting outside the schools and yeah, shit. Yeah, waiting outside the schools. I think we've come a little, become a little bit desensitised to that stuff now. Um, but if it's set in America nowadays, I feel like people are just going to shoot the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you're a Possibly. clan. Dead. I was like, come yeah. near me, kids, you're dead. But, um, but no, I think classic fear doesn't change. It's scared of the dark. That's a big, a, that's a big one with all kids. Mm. Um, I don't know how I'd feel about it, though, if it brought it, back, it brought it to nowadays. I feel they're just ruining it a bit, like the book is... I don't know, it's supposed it's to be in the past. It's something we're just going to have to wait and see on. I yeah. mean, the book was further in the... was set further in the past than the film was, so... And it's done well and it's, with it there. Yeah. So I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see and hopefully the next instalment is going to be just as good. We're going to see the kids all grown up, maybe. Hopefully. Mm. See where the lives have taken them. So the... Is that everything you've got to say? Yeah, I think it's a good time to wrap it up, really. Yeah, it does, yeah, for our first, our first podcast. Our so, first. If, if anyone's listening at this point, an hour and five minutes in, thanks for listening. If you want to share your opinion, I'm sure wherever this is posted, there's somewhere to do that. Yeah. Um, if you've got any films you want us to review or any recommendations for future podcasts, uh, then let us know. Um stop doing this is not a valid comment so please don't leave that <laughs> we will not stop we will never stop we will, we will never continue stop. we will never leave we're always gotta be here listening <laughs> speaking <laughs> yeah so thanks for listening if you still are um and until the next time yeah well uh we have been the edit box review tales of the deep of <laughs> the deep <laughs> So this has been the Idiot Box Tales podcast, uh, first ever one. Um, thanks for listening. Yeah, bye. bye.